1: Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell.
0: Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today, we're going to discuss building a customer-first strategy. Joining us is Nathan Steele, who is the head of customer success at Aller, which is a sales intelligence company that provides sales professionals with hard-to-find company data and strategic news alerts. And today, Nathan and I are going to talk about a customer-first mentality to optimize revenue growth. Okay, here's my conversation with Nathan Steele, the head of customer success at Aller. Nathan, thanks for joining the podcast today.
1: Yeah, thanks, Doug. It's good to be
0: here. Well, we're going to have fun, and we're going to have a lot of fun because this, as anybody who's listened to the podcast before will tell you, is my favorite topic, and usually I'm the scold. I'm scolding fellow B2B sales and marketing leaders for us providing poor experiences for our prospects. And I have to say, this always feels like the beginning of solving the problem when we embrace a customer-first mentality to optimize revenue growth. So let's get started unpacking this concept. So what do we mean when we say customer-first?
1: You know, customer-first for me really boils down to focusing on the customer's experience. And... By that, it really starts from the second we reach out to them. And and it's not just going to be your customers. It'll be your prospects. It'll be your marketing. It'll be everything that you do as a business is really focused on making sure that it's a good experience for the people that are meeting it or, or running into it. And so, you know, from my perspective, it's always been how do we make it a good experience for those users?
0: And we've all had the experience of a bad experience, Nathan, and those are probably the moments that all stand out to us. It doesn't matter whether that's in business or in our personal life or, you know, buying online. We've all had those bad moments. We've also had those good moments and we've had those great moments. And we tend to talk about the great moments and we tend to talk about the bad moments However, that's anecdotal, right? Nathan, we are on a daily basis, especially at Owler, looking to scale. It's a bit of a rocket ship over there. So you can't just say subjectively they had a good or bad experience. How do you guys go about measuring what good experience equals?
1: Yeah, I think for us, you know, it boils down to, at the end of the day, retention. And not just a monetary retention. We have a freemium product. So for us, we have millions of users that are logging in and using Aller every day. And the core focal point for us is how do we get them to come back to the product? And if they're not coming back, if they're not opening their emails, if they're not logging onto a profile, right? They're having a bad experience. They're not you know, getting value out of the tool. They're not happy with what they're seeing, whatever it may be. So for us, our whole focal point is how do we deliver value to these users? Even if it's free, how do we get them to come back and, and pull value out of the tool and be happy with that experience?
0: which is a bigger lift, right? So you've got a product-led growth strategy at Alver. And so that means you really, really, really have to make sure that those prospects who, at the end of the day, begin with free customer model, that they're enjoying the experience vis-a-vis the product, right? So you probably have lots of data that tells you whether people feel like they've got a good experience in the product. What does that data look like? And how do you kind of process that data to improve making sure you are more customer-centered?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. We, we do have a significant amount of data, especially um, today we're a little over 5 million active users. So the question is, how do you look at that immense amount of data and determine what's good and what's bad, right? And what we have found is we use tools like Amplitude, like Pendo, tons of different analytical tools to look at very specific data points. One of the things that Eller does is we send out what we call a daily snapshot every day. And that email goes out quite literally to over 5 million people every single day And we can see who's opening that and who's really engaging with it, clicking on the links or not clicking on the links. And it allows us to understand, hey, we have an audience of people that are finding this daily snapshot very valuable. And so we'll go to those users and ask more targeted questions around, hey, now that we know you're using this and you're getting value out of it, what else would you like to see? So again, when it goes back to a a customer-centered view All of our product development, all of our focus is around what our users need and what they want, not what we think they need and what they want. So we're asking a lot of targeted questions and really diving into their specific requests to make our product better.
0: Is there a difference between a prospect and a customer for Aller? For Aller, there is, absolutely. And and really what it boils down
1: to is the level of support. So when it comes to a prospect, right, those are our freemium users. Anybody that is using Aller, whether they're free whether they just stumble on us through a Google search, right? Those are technically prospects, but they're also users, right? And we see them as users. They're valuable. We're going to support them. We're going to make sure that we're here for them. A paying customer, however, is going to get more of that premium support, like the hand-holding actual onboarding calls where we'll sit down with them and train them deeply on the product and the tools. But in terms of the, the physical support, in terms of training and onboarding, we treat them equally. Every user on Aller can provide valuable insights and valuable feedback that support everybody else. That's kind of our community driven model. So we try to treat everybody equal in that sense versus just the onboarding experience.
0: What I want to understand is obviously Aller's in this place where a lot of PLG organizations are, which is making sure that there's as much feedback in the loop between prospect and customers to ensure that it's more like those prospects who, as you mentioned, are sort of almost customers are making it into that customer place, right? So Talk to me about some of the data that helps you guys navigate that transition. Is this traditional marketing conversion data, typically, that you guys are embracing?
1: Yeah, it definitely is. Really, the way that we're tracking it is not only just where they're landing, you know, every single aspect of our site is tracked. Whether it's the open button, whether it's the contribute button, whether it's the links in your emails, we're doing a really good job of understanding where people are going throughout it. And it helps us understand what buttons that are being clicked regularly can drive people to a revenue place, right? If we know that you're clicking on the competitive graph to go find additional prospects or kind of expand your target market, we know that that competitive graph drives revenue. It drives business for us. So we're going to make that essentially a locked position of the product so that we can drive additional revenue to us. We'll say, Hey, we're going to give you 10 for free as a freemium user. But if you want the full list of 50, you have to pay. So we found that really unique way of where we were driving the most value is what we were able to monetize.
0: So there's compromises that typically have to be made in a customer-centered model. And a customer-centered model effectively says that what the customer's needs are rise above maybe the needs of the organization. And those are typically sometimes harder decisions to make. What does that look like on a day-to-day for you? And are, are there examples of kind of broader moments when you were like, yeah, this is leading into being more customer-centric or customer-first?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that's a really good question. At the end of the day, we work in the data industry. And so you have to find the really fine line between feature additions and an actual customer-centric experience. And so, you know, we have thousands of customers that will come to us and ask for new specific data points. Say, hey, I want to see this. And that's great, but that only is going to help you. And it's not going to help every other customer we have. And it's not going to help the entire community of users we have. It's just, you know, centric to you. And so as a head of customer success and somebody focused on driving success for that individual company, of course, I would love to add that feature, but you have to keep not only that one customer in mind, every customer in mind. And so when it comes to customer-centric, my goal is to hear everybody's feedback and collectively find the, the core sources that'll drive the most value for everyone and provide the best experience for everyone. So I think that's where it gets challenging is we want to be the customer's right all the time for every single individual customer, but it's literally impossible to do that. What we need to do is find the most centric place that we can benefit everybody equally.
0: So you guys need to represent the Meta. Right, it can't. It's not about the individual customer, and and I have to say, what a crazy world that would be if we were trying to respond to every customer need, especially when you have thousands of customers. So it's about representing the best for the customer at large. Exactly. And then, how has that translated into revenue growth for Aller?
1: The way that we found it is by understanding where people are really struggling. Right, and and I've collectively looked at Aller as a massive polling system, if you will. You know, we have five million people coming in. They're constantly sharing insights and feedback with us, not only data points like revenue, employee size, competitors, but they're sharing their feedback around, hey, we need to see this or these new sources are more valuable than these new sources. And so by taking all that feedback and creating a really centric vision across our customer space, it's led to people coming to Aller and realizing we provide significantly more value in our filtered news than some other companies do. Our data is going to be more filtered and focused on what I need as a sales rep. Because they listen to sales reps over the last eleven years and realize that these are the data points that actually drive value for me, so I'd say that's how we've garnered the most revenue
0: out of it. Are you able to influence the roadmap based on that view, that that collective view, the meta view, with your products team? 100. I actually meet with our product team
1: every week. It's something we take very seriously. Where not only am I talking to our customers, we get the feedback from our free users. And we sit down and say, hey, let's look at our roadmap over the course of the next 12 to 24 months and understand what can we do now to drive the most value today that's going to help the most users today, but also look you know, into the future and say, hey, this is a much bigger project. It's going to take rewriting our entire process around sending out daily emails. But we know that if we can send maybe a weekly digest rather than a daily email, we get significant more adoption to the product. So we're always listening to our users and trying to drive the most value for them based off what they're feeding back to us.
0: So Nathan, I think it makes a ton of sense, but I also feel like there are hard decisions you have to make. You talked about the greater good. We talked about the fact that ultimately quite often you guys are having to make these decisions on behalf of this idea of a larger customer. I imagine though, that you've got to balance this idea of customer pain for the larger good versus revenue opportunity for Owlr. So talk to me about how you go about making those decisions. In other words, here's the hard question. When the customer pain is bigger than the revenue opportunity, what responsibility do you guys have to address that? Or is this still business as usual? Again, it's a fantastic question. And from my
1: experience, and I push this very hard across Aller, when the customer pain is great, we will stop and fix the customer pain. Period. End of story. And at the end of the day, right, it goes back to the customer-centric focus, of not every individual customer can be right, but if the product is not working in a way that it's completely stripping the value for them, right? not only do I know that most likely is happening for other customers as well, even if we have one specific that's very loud about it, at the end of the day, we need to have a product that drives value for everyone. And so we will stop and we will pause our roadmap and imprint an immediate fix if needed to drive the value for that individual customer because that's why they purchased from us. That's why they're using us today. So we're always nimble. And the one benefit of ours, we're a very agile company. We're very quick to, to reflex. So we're very quick to fix things. And the reason being is because we want it to be a great product for everyone, which can be very difficult. As we all know, anybody trying to, to make a product that's great for everyone and not just a select group of people is challenging, but it's something that we're, we're constantly focused on doing.
0: How rapidly are you guys releasing code? Are you weekly, monthly, daily, weekly? Weekly. Weekly.
1: Yeah. So so we we have two-week sprints, but even in between those two-week sprints, we will release code. I believe today it's every Wednesday. And the goal of that is, right, when we get our feedback, there's things that we can rapidly change. And we see no reason in waiting on changing that just because... Our roadmap says we have to do it every month or every quarter, right? If, if there's something we can go in and tweak to make maybe a data card better or email experience better, we'll do that today. We're not going to wait three months to do it.
0: So I want to wrap things up here. And I just want you to explain to everybody that's listening in today, how do you go about measuring success with a customer-centered approach? What are those, what are those key metrics you guys use to measure success? So the number one measure for us is adoption, and,
1: and what that means is we have, again, we have millions of company profile pages, we have tons of competitive graph analysis, and all that is fine, but we need people to come and use it. We need people to come to the website and actually adopt it, to, to gather the research on our website, to view our emails and drive sales and drive, you know, close deals out of it. And so for us, what it boils down to is, are you actually engaging with the platform? Are you coming back every day? Are you opening your emails? Are you sharing contributions back into our community, right? If you look at a private company and the revenue is wrong, we'll ask you to fix it. And you don't have to, but if you are, that's an extremely successful experience for us. We know that you're getting value out of it. And we know that you're going to come back on a daily basis. So we're always focused on driving adoption with the users and making sure that they're getting value out of the tools so that they come back the next day and the day and the day after that.
0: Awesome. Great tips today from Nathan. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. All right, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator podcast. Thanks to Nathan Steele, head of customer success at Aller for joining us in part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Nathan and I are going to talk about the fine line of personalization in the privacy age. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Nathan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes or visit his company website at Aller.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't get a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to RevGenPod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on the show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at rebgenpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.